The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, June 7th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning and the dawn of a slightly new era here on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. I am Mike Heck, and if you are listening right now, you're either listening on the podcast network or you're live in the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, and it's not 8 a.m. Eastern. So if you missed the announcement on Friday, the show moving forward for the foreseeable future, will now begin at this time, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, because a lot of people on the West Coast were like, what the hell, man? It's too early. I can't wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. and be live. I mean, I could, but come on, help us out a little bit. So I figured this would be the right way to do it. Spoke to the powers that be. We made it happen, and here we are. New start time. Thank you very much for joining us. This is an exciting time in the the world of mixed martial arts because we have UFC 275 coming up on Saturday. There's a lot of events going on in Singapore throughout the week. If you're into the prospects from the Asian region of the world, there's the road to UFC tournaments kicking off this week. You got media days, all sorts of fun stuff. We're going back to the old school weigh-ins where – it's just basically the ceremonial weigh-ins are the real weigh-ins. You go in, you weigh in, you face off. There's no two-hour window. So I know my best friend AK Lee is a little bit disappointed we can't do a full show, but we'll still have some fun on that. And then the big card on Saturday with Glover Teixeira defending against Yuri Prohashka for the light heavyweight title. That's the main event. We got Valentina Shevchenko looking to continue her reign of terror and dominance, defending her title against Tyler Santos. We get the epic rematch. Three rounds between Yuani on Jacek, the returning Yuani on Jacek, and Zhang Wei Li, and it's just it's just gonna be fun. Those those three fights are fantastic. There's some good storylines mixed in there. Andre Fialio is back against Jake Matthews. That's a pretty good fight. Jack Della Maddalena is on the main card, and we got Hajirio Boncharine versus Menel Cap. So it should be a fun card. And we're also coming off of UFC Vegas 56 this past Saturday where Alexander Volkov defeated Jarzina Rosenstrike. 
first round TKO. Of course, Herb Dean was involved. So the hokey pokey was done in terms of the stoppage actually being called. But in the end, had no issue with the actual timing of the stoppage. I just had an issue with the hesitation of the stoppage from the hokey pokey king, Herb Dean. And as bad as that was, as annoying as that was, watching that all go down, that was probably the third most egregious refereeing that happened on that card because Chris Tyone just continues to make me want to throw my television set across my house. How many warnings can you give these friggin' fighters? It is so frustrating watching Chris Tyone just allow these fighters to grab the fence with their hands, grab the hands with the fence with their feet. Uh, here's a warning. There's a warning. Everywhere's a warning, but I'm not going to do a gosh darn thing about it. I wanted to say something else, but I'm going to go with that. It's a family show. Take points. All this talk about judging and open scoring and all of that, when the bigger issue is probably the referees right now. You have to take points. Otherwise, cheat your ass off because it's not going to get called. Nothing's going to get called. It's so dumb. It drives me insane. Drives me nuts. Mark Smith is in that category as well. How are we not taking points? Multiple fence grabs. Multiple fence grabs. Your, your first warning is in the back before the fighters even walk to the octagon. That's when you're going over the rules. That's where the warnings are given. If it happens once, sure. If you want to give another warning, fine. But after that, you got to start taking points. This is getting ridiculous. This is getting ridiculous. And people are up in arms about the Tim Elliott story and him saying that he basically cheated. Why not? No one is going to call it. The pay structure is the way it is. Win show. But if the refs aren't going to call it, do what you got to do to win a fight. It's insanity. Absolutely insane. But we're here to talk about that. We're here to talk about UFC 275. We can talk about UFC Vegas 56. Check out whatever the hell you want. It's your show. Let's begin with four corner sports. What's up? How's it going? Uh, you're breaking up. Oh, you, you hear me better now? That's better. All yes. Right. Love the new start time. Feels great to be able to come in at 10. Usually 8 o'clock is a little bit pushing it, but I wanted to talk about uh, Volkov and uh, Jardinio. Uh, one of them ended up going on, on the two-fight losing streak, and that was Jardinio. Is one of them going to be fed to Almeida or um, Alexander Romanov, you think? Like, will you think that uh, Jardinio would take one of those fights? And I mentioned uh, my submission for um, Otno. I don't know. What do you think of this matchup between uh, Volkov and Chris Dawkins? Um, I know they, I know Volkov pretty much has fought everybody for the most part in heavyweight. And I think uh, it should be an interesting matchup. I mean, that could be like a good, like, co-main event on a fight night. Maybe on a, a main event for a fight night. And I saw the news that they were in the works of making uh, Marlon Cheeto Vera versus Dominic Cruz. I'm going to get your thoughts on that. And your opinion, maybe, on uh, Ioana coming back. If she gets a, if she gets a victory, will the UFC catapult her into a title fight immediately? All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. I mean, look, that was the first call. See how fresh everybody is? Get that couple hours extra. Rest, sleep, if you will. Ready to go. 
First question, I will address the aftermath of UFC Vegas 56. I would say that Alexander Volkov is going to be fed Alexander Romanov. That's how I would do it because, listen, it's a win, and he didn't lose two in a row, but he also didn't go anywhere with that win, if that makes sense. he's ba- That fight was basically to keep the same exact spot that they were already in. So he doesn't improve much. He just gets his second paycheck. Jarzinho loses two in a row. And I think you just got to throw him on off in there and just see what happens. Worst case, I mean, what happens? Volkov wins, beats a guy like Romanov. He gets the rub off of that because there's a lot of excitement around Romanov right now. Volkov gets to take a step forward in the eyes of a lot of people. And if Romanov beats Volkov, now you know. This guy can beat top 10 talents. Let's push this guy. He might be a wit. He might be a couple wins away from fighting for the title at that point. I think with Romanov, where he is now, I know he's. I know he just beat Chase Sherman, and Chase is a great guy, one of the lower ranked heavyweights in the world, if we're being honest, especially UFC fighter. But he treated him accordingly as a minus four thousand favorite, or whatever the hell he was by the time that fight actually happened. But yeah, as far as Jarzinho goes. I don't know. If Derek Lewis loses to Sergey Pavlovich, I'd probably do Derek Lewis either way. Win or lose, everyone's been wanting to see Jarzinho versus Derek Lewis. I think you just kind of do it now. Neither is close to a title shot at this point, so that's probably the way I would go with that. Uh, the Dominic Cruz Cheeto Vera news. Listen, we tell you this all the time. If we haven't reported it, it's not done, and that's the case with this one. That's all I can really say. Uh, it is being discussed. It is an option for August 13th, but to say that that fight is done for August 13th, that we could slot that in as the main event for August 13th, would be premature from all indications from what I'm being told. But it is being discussed. It is what the UFC wants. I know it is verbally agreed on one side. The other side, not really sure just yet. So... That'll be a good fight if it happens. I'm in for that. Give Marlon that shot. I actually would probably give Marlon something a little bit higher than Dominic Cruz. I I like the Piotr Jan idea better. But again, I don't know if Marlon wants to wait till October to fight. I know Marlon seems to want that August time frame. And Dominic Cruz seems to want that August-September time frame as well. So I think timing lines up for both guys. I'd watch the hell out of it. Let's do it if it happens. And then if you want to, of course, you want to coming back first time since the Zhang Weili war a little over two years ago, and she's fighting Zhang Weili again. If she wins, does she get a title shot? Absolutely, she does. And she will fight Carla Esparza, and she will be a minus 300 favorite to beat Carla Esparza more than likely after that first fight. And I just feel I just Carla being the champion is super cool. It's a super cool story. Her coming back. I know the fight wasn't good at all. It was one of the worst title fights of all time from a stylistic perspective, from a viewership and an entertainment perspective. But Carla, after that vicious, vicious beating, one of the all time vicious title fight beating she took from Ioanni and Jacek to come all the way back to win the title all those years later is a tremendous story. But I feel, and I've been saying this for a while. Carla has deserved that title shot for a long time, but every time she was, the UFC was like, nah, maybe not, nah, maybe not. 
the fight to make was always the Yoata rematch. And I feel like if she if they book that rematch and Carla Sparza beats Yoata and Jacek, she's good to go. There's no more doubts. There's no more questions. It almost erases the Nami Yunus fight, not from forever and ever, but it puts it on the back burner because, I mean, that would be just an incredible win for her. Because I know how long it's, it took her a very long time to get over that loss. So, but yes, if Yuana beats Zhang Wei Li, 1000% she's getting the title shot. And if Zhang Wei Li beats Yuana and Jacek, I'm not as confident that she gets the title fight. I would say Jessica Andrade, I would give it to Jessica Andrade if Zhang Wei Li won. Because Zhang's lost two in a row. So it's hard to, it's hard to justify throwing her into a title fight after snapping a two fight skid. But Jessica Andrade would be right there, and I would heavily favor Jessica Andrade in that fight as well. Let's get Tristan in here. Oh, boy. AK's in here, too. Is this going to be... Are we doing this again? No, no, no. All love. All there you good. go. Just all love. Good. You know, I said what I had to say. Just going to leave it alone and everything. AK, all love, man. All love. All goodness. All right. Uh, but let me get to... Um, my uh, my point, especially uh, after the card this past Saturday, uh, Mike, uh, you know, I know, you, I guess you didn't have a chance to read some of my picks. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of them, like uh, I had uh, Lucas Almeida versus Nate Landwehr, and then Kareem Silva versus Shayna Young. And then I have Carolina, uh, I can't even pronounce her last name, I'm sorry, versus um, Ashley Yoder. Um you know, I think that fight lines up because Yoder is coming off an injury, but I think she's going to be – she said on uh, Instagram that uh, she's hoping to start training. She's just waiting to be cleared. And then the the guy I really want to zone on in is uh, Benoit uh, Saint-Denis. Um, I, had him, I have him uh, facing Mason Jones. That would have been great on the London card because Mason Jones is also from Wales, so he has a fan base there. So that would have been pretty good to have those two fight match up. But I don't I – just it's just too quick of a turnaround for Saint-Denis. But – Speaking about St. Denise, um, my thing about St. Denise, he looks like he's a prospect, and I think he could do some things in this lightweight division. I mean, I, you know, the way he fought, I was really impressed. Um, he, was, he, was just, he was so good with his transition as far as his grappling is concerned, and he's always going forward. Now, he almost got caught with a knee. So he did talk about that in his post-fight scrum, that he has to be – he's trying to be a little bit more patient instead of just, like – have this warrior mentality, just put pressure, put pressure and go after it. So I think over time, he's just going to get really good and we're going to be speaking about him more and more. But my question also too is, do you think the lightweight is catching up with the, with the bantamweight as far as deep prospects coming up? You know, I want your thoughts on that because I mean, we're starting to see him pop up here more and more and more. So I, you know, I'm liking this lightweight division more and more as the prospects are coming up. Hopefully at some point, the lightweight division, you know, the fighters on the top, like that gets all situated. So, you know, a lot of the young, the younger prospects starts coming up. So, you know, just your thoughts on that. And uh, that's all I got for you today, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot for everything. Thanks, buddy. There he is. Tristan Gordet. Yeah, I mean, listen, if they, the, the matchups that you suggested, if they make those fine, Kovalkiewicz, I, I probably wouldn't go the Ashley Yoder route. There's really, to me, it's, there's, there's two ways you go with it. You either just throw her in there with, with other, like, fun vets. Like, I love the 
Angela Hill idea. I think that fight is, is a perfect fight. If that fight doesn't come together, if we're not going the vet route, then you kind of have to, and I hate saying this, you have to use, you have to litmus test her. And I know she was on a bad streak. It was such an emotional, great moment for her, but you have to, you have to use her to either put herself over against a really tough prospect or put the prospect over against a former title challenger with the name and a little bit of momentum right now. So if they did, so if they did, my dog's going crazy again. I'm in Florida and the dog is still going crazy. So if they, if they did Angela Hill, I'm fine with that. If they did someone like Lupe Godinez, I'm fine with that as well. Ashley Oder, not really. I mean, Ashley's still in the UFC. She's been in there for a while. But I just feel like I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like she's past the prospect line. But yeah, Brianna Fortino, like when she gets medically, like when she's ready to go, and she's not just booked, like she's ready to actually fight, and Yoder's ready to fight. I actually think that's a good comeback fight for Brianna Fortino, FKA Brianna Van Buren. Let's get Patrick in here. I know he's been waiting a little bit. CRJ, you're on deck. Patrick, what's up? Hey, Mike. What's up, buddy? Mm, hope you're having a heck of a heck of a. You, you know it. <laughs> um, I guess I wanted to chime in on the uh, all the refing stuff. Um, I get really annoyed when the refs uh, intervene. You know, they're inserting themselves into the action. To so like Chris Leone's literally slapping the guy's calf like he's a a nun in a Catholic school or something, and and saying stop it, stop it, <laughs> like um, and Keith Peterson um, uh, a while ago in that Clayson Rodriguez fight that I, that I was excited about he um, he went and he like was grabbing the guy on the bottom the guy was already on the bottom. And the person that secured top position, I think it, Clayson was on the bottom. And um, he reached across the guy on top's face. He basically cross-faced him to pull the fighter on the bottom's hand out. And it, like, the I don't think the, oh, no, yeah, it was CJ uh, Vergara. He was, like, looked up for a second and allowed the fighter, allowed Clayson to, like, scramble a little bit, or, like, change. And I'm, like, he totally just... Um, intervened in that fight and like changed the outcome of a position um it's ridiculous that that refs think that they should um they shouldn't even be in the peripheral vision of the fighters you know they should be on the outskirts and um yeah i just think that i liked the way that toyoni took a point in the middle of the action i guess because at least he wasn't intervening like stopping the fight um but yeah, I agree, man. The, the the refs need to actually do their job and take the points. That's why the rules are there. Alexander K. Lee rules rule. But uh, <laughs> um, the other option, I, I don't know how they would do this, and I'm sure Dana White would be so against it. But is you just you somehow change the cage? You know, you put up something so that it's not um, even available to. Um, because that, that's a lot to ask in the middle of a fight. You're in combat. And you're supposed to mentally be remember, okay, I need to keep my hand at a 
uh, 90 degree angle so that I don't stick my fingers through when I'm being like, you know, like pushed with, with all of the force against it, you know, it's, um, it's just a little bit of natural instinct to want to do that and to make the fighters use mental energy to, uh, to not grab a fence that like just physics wise, your fingers are going to go through that no matter how, like you would have to train these fighters would actually have to start to train like, um, that technique of like not grabbing the fence, you know, I just, it it seems uh it seems a little rough uh anyways i just got wound up i wanted to also talk about uh the and new light heavyweight champion uh yuri i'm gonna hang up on you what i how dare you how dare you go against my pick that i've been making for seven months now <laughs> come on now it's glover you, first round submission you wait and see. you don't like fun no i listen you can still have lots of fun with yuri prashka first remember glover's gonna have his he's gonna defend the title maybe one more and then he's gonna ride off into the sunset and we still have lots more years of yuri why can't we have both i mean i'm with you i i'm from new england I got friends that live in Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, I'm li- literally about the same age as Glover. I'd like to think that, you know, we can have that old man power and, you know, do do some stuff and, and compete with the young pups. But Yuri Prohashka is an alien demon. <laughs> He's a freaking Shinigami. He comes to collect souls, dude. He's not in there to just grind out a, a decision win. He's going to just... He's going to decapitate. Um, anyways. Uh, oh, but so my question with him is uh, just a serious question is I know he trained at uh, fight ready for his camp. Are, is, are any of them cornering him? And that's the one thing I'm a little bit worried is that they are going to kind of make him slow down and or try to be a little bit more safe and control his style. Kind of like in the same way Johnny Walker, ever since he kind of started to be more of a in control fighter, a little bit more like technical. Um, he just seems to have lost his mojo. Uh, so I'm a little bit concerned that um, Fight Ready has somehow done that to Yuri. But do you know if they're cornering him? And uh, uh, that is it for today, my bud. Later. Thanks, my man. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I think I think if. I think if anybody is going to corner him, it'll be Captain Eric. Because I know Captain Eric is mentioned he was probably going to Singapore. Because I know he's kind of bouncing around and stuff. But I know Yuri is also bouncing around. It's not like he did the entire camp at Fight Ready. He just did a little bit of time over there. I think it's helpful. Like, I think that's where you want to go if you're fighting a guy like Glover. But I, I honestly, I honestly cannot get the vision of Dominic Reyes full mounting Yuri Prohashka out of my head. And if Dominic, and this is, Dominic's got solid jujitsu, but nowhere near Glover Teixeira. Nowhere near it. If Glover Teixeira, I honestly believe if Glover takes him down once, the fight's over. I honestly believe that. One time, the fight is over. Now, it's, Glover's going to have to go through hell to get there. I mean, hell. He's going to have to deal with spinning stuff. He's going to have to deal with vicious punches, some kicks, maybe some knees. 
But what Glover Teixeira did in that fight against Jan Blachowicz, now he's not going to be able to do it that easily, but if he could just weather a quick storm and just bull rush Yuri and take him down, there's a very good chance the fight is over quickly. Because Glover's not going to... Like, if Glover gets full mount on Yuri, he's not getting up. Fight's done. He's getting he's getting strangled and submitted, and that's it. But it wouldn't shock me if Yuri won. It wouldn't shock me if Yuri knocked him out in the first round either. But we'll see. I very like. I just again, this is why that pick has been there since Glover won the belt. That vision of Dominic Reyes full mounting Yuri Prohashka. If Dominic Reyes can do it, Glover Teixeira certainly can do it. And Yuri ain't getting up if that happens. I don't care where you train. It's just not enough time to improve that much when you're preparing to fight a guy like Glover Teixeira. And Glover can crack too. Glover, Glover rocked the legendary Polish power. So I like it. Yes, and the referees, I feel like Chris Tyone and Mark Smith just left the UFC Apex and they flew to San Francisco to referee the Celtics Warriors game too. And I will say this, the Celtics sucked anyways. They were going to lose that game, but Draymond Green running around like he's freaking like a right tackle for the New England Patriots out there, just running dudes over, no call, not getting the second technical because he got called for a technical once before. It's friggin' stupid. I don't know who's worse, MMA referees or NBA referees. We have a discussion to be had. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's go to CRJ. Hey, Mike. How's What's it up, going? CRJ? How's it going? Good. Um, Good, my man. Uh, you know, like, I try and be fun and bring, like, the speculative questions, and I have, like, so many in the tank that I think are fun, like, but I want to talk about something kind of serious, and it's kind of been bumming me out, and, um... I guess it's like related to this Twitter space, which I really love because for me, I don't really have any friends that follow MMA. Like I am, I'm from New York and I'm from, you know, just like, uh, you know, I'm born and raised here and there's just not a lot of people I know who like MMA. I'm, you know, come from a, like, you know, my, my friend group's more sort of like artsy fartsy type beat. And Honestly, it's been, you know, it's already hard to, like, get people to watch it with me. Like, people will come, like, in the living room when I'm watching alone, and they'll kind of cringe or leave. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be everyone's thing. That's fine. But the thing that's been really bumming me out is, you know, kind of the stuff that Jeff Molino is saying about Pride Month and 
a lot of the way the fighters and fans have been reacting to the pride stuff. And I am lucky in, in my personality that I feel like I can sort of separate, you know, a lot of my fighters, they're like huge, you know, conservatives and that's not how I swing, but it's fighting. We don't really have to like get each other on that plane, but the pride stuff and just the way certain fighters have been reacting just seems really over the top. And the fans just hating any fighter who's, like, even a little bit buying into the UFC's, you know, like, promotion of it, it's really, like, been, like, you know, I don't know, like, affecting me and bumming me out. And, like, I don't know if this is, like, a loud minority. I think it's probably a loud, like, slight majority. I'd like to think most people just don't care. But it's a bummer. Oh, hi, Jason. Jason's a friend of mine. But it's just, like, it's it's a bummer. And I I don't... Yeah, I want to get up here and be like, which fighter do you think is going to win three fights in a row in space? No gravity. Because that's, you know, like what I like to do in this space. <laughs> but like, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting. But uh, it's been bumming me out this week. Like, like, I don't know. In another world, like, someone like Jeff, like, it's not even like Jeff Molina said anything or the other fighters. And it's just hate and hate and hate. Mike, am I, am I overreacting? Am I being a snowflake right now? CRJ, you are the man. Uh, I loved so much about your honesty there. It was just great. And now, I mean, here's what I'll say. I, I don't want to get into the, the whole thing and, and the politics and all that stuff. I don't know how long you've been an MMA fan. I don't know if this is something that is newer to you, if it's maybe the last couple of years, maybe. Because I've seen a lot of fans, especially ones that come on the show and talk, they weren't MMA fans until the pandemic because the UFC was really the only thing going on. And luckily we were putting out just a redonkulous amount of content. It was like right when I started when the pandemic happened and it kind of just worked out great. Uh, but i bring you back in real quick. I just want to know how long you've been a fan of the sport. Me. Yeah. Like I didn't watch any MMA and I got trapped inside and I was doing my like honors thesis at school. And then I just like caught up on the whole thing. So, okay. yeah, sorry to interrupt. Right. I just, you know. No, it's cool. No, I, I was curious to that myself. Um, CRJ, you're, you're learning a valuable lesson. You're learning a valuable lesson. And I understand that this thing's bumming you out. And it should. I understand why it would bum people out. But you also have to understand a very important lesson in being a fan of this sport. There's no gray area here. This room... 99.8% we've had, I think one person so far in like the seven weeks we've done the show who is just an awful human being. But for the most part, MMA fans are great, but there's great. And there's just horrendous. And there's really no in the middle, if we're being honest. And those people who are kind of awful will get mad and upset about literally everything. Literally everything. Like, I'm just throwing this example out. Tony, let's just say Tony Ferguson went down to a $500,000 today. There would be maybe 10% of MMA fans who would come out and be like, this charity's stupid. Tony Ferguson's just doing this to get shine. Tony Ferguson's just doing this to get attention because he lost his last couple of fights. Like this hap this would absolutely happen. That would absolutely happen. So I don't think you're overreacting. 
I think you're learning a valuable lesson. Most MMA fans like MMA and they like the fighters and they want everything to do well. And a lot of things are positive. And oftentimes I am positive and AK is positive. He's the freaking prince of positivity. And once in a while, when we cover the sport, bad things happen, negative things happen. And we have to talk about them. We have to talk about the referee sucking. We have to talk about the judges having bad scorecards. We have to talk about a fighter saying dumb stuff. And it's not fun to talk about. And we have to do that. It's our jobs. But for the most part, we like MMA. We like the fighters. And there are fans of the sport who hate everything. They hate everything. You'll find, like, if you went on Instagram right now, if MMA Fighting put up, a, a, like, an Instagram poll about how great Yoani and Jacek Zhang Wei Li was at UFC 248, I guarantee you there'd be a percentage of people who said that fight sucked. And that, that's, just, that's just who they are. That's just who these people are. So just you just got to deal with it, man. You just got to deal with it. But understand, when you come into a room like this, for the most part, we're just going to have fun, and we're going to talk about which MMA fighters would have three fight winning streaks in space and no gravity, or fighting in fire, literally. Which, by the way, towards the end, because you guys are the best, um, I just got a little distracted. My little brother just sent me a text message that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, and I will let you guys know about it in a minute. Because maybe we can help the situation because it's pretty gnarly. And I know both of the people involved in this and it is horrible. Um, but I'll save that for the end of the show. Squillet MMA. Squillet it on me. Let's go. <laughs> hey, Are you there? Oh, thank you so much for... Um letting me speak. I don't really have it before you. I just wanted to give um, CRJ a shout out. I'm from New York. Um, I have definitely felt the way that you felt about not having homies to watch this with. So what I did was I sent you a DM and I know of a New York meetup and we meet up in the city. And I think the next one is this weekend at Pr Printer's Alley. I have information if you want to go and be around other New York MMA fans. I might actually go this weekend. You're not alone, bro. So if you're interested, just um, check the DM and then we can, you know, you know, chat. Or if you want to meet up with other, you know, fans in New York, you know, I got you. Thank you. So Wow. I mean, I'm telling see, we're bringing people together. We're making a, a, a tight knit. MMA community here in the MMA fighting Twitter spaces. An amazing moment. Hopefully, CRJ can head on over to this meetup and meet like-minded folk. I love it. That's amazing. Let's get Jimmy Wang Yang, not former WWF wrestler Jimmy Wang Yang just, in here. Just What's up? Fan. How you doing, Mike? What's going on, man? Hey, so I just wanted to uh, say two things. Uh, just like Squirrelay, CRJ, I, uh, I went through the same thing. Didn't have a lot of people I knew that watched MMA. And I've been watching since I was like 14, maybe 13. So I've connected with people on Twitter. Like I know people from Texas personally, and we only connected over MMA. So, hey, use Twitter. Talk about it in the, the, the hashtags. Like, that's how I connected people. Hey. Send me a DM. I'm, I've been watching UFC for years. I talk about it all day. And then, Mike, how do you feel about? What do you think about Joanna coming about coming back after you know over two year layoff against Wei Lee? Like, and then Rose 
I remember she asked if she wanted to train her. What What do you think about that? To help her train for weightlifting. Thank you. Yes. Uh, by the way, let me just say this. I love this. I love what's happening here. And two, Ioana and Jacek fighting on Saturday. And this is no disrespect to Glover Teixeira, Yuri Prihashka, Valentina Shevchenko, and Tyler Santos. Ioana and Jacek fighting on Saturday is the most interesting thing on this card. And that just goes to show you how good this card is, in my opinion. Now, is it top-heavy? Yes. Are... Is the main card, is this like a main card loaded type of event? Yeah. There's some, I mean, obviously the Andre Fialio, Jake Matthews fight on the prelims is good because Andre is starting to make a name for himself. He's becoming Cerrone-esque, Kevin Holland-esque, where he's fighting every month and he's just staying active and busy and he's getting on Dana White's radar, which is very smart on his part. But Ioana and Jacek returning after over two years is the most interesting story on this card. And she's getting Zhang Weili, who has lost her last two fights, got knocked out viciously by Rose Namajunas, and then lost a very close split decision in a very competitive fight where she basically changed her entire outlook on fighting, where she changed a lot of things. Her entire game plan changed. And I will have you know, I have not gone back and watched this a second time. Watching it live, I thought Zhang Weili beat Rose Namajunas. Now, don't hate me on that. It was a super close fight. Not a robbery or anything like that. Just watching it live, I thought Zhang Wei Li won. I will also say this. Watching it live at the time, I was not working for MMA Fighting. I joined MMA Fighting shortly thereafter. But watching it live, UFC 248, I thought Joanna beat Zhang Wei Li as well. But I was also working for another website, and I was trying to do a live recap of the card. I think it was actually like live blogging the fight, which was insanely difficult to do. But I just can't wait to see it. Three rounds. I know a lot of people want five rounds. I'm happy with three rounds. Those two women beat the ever-living hell out of each other for 25 minutes. Let's have hearts. Let's have souls. We're going to see these two beat the living hell out of each other again, but just for 15 minutes. And it's going to be super fun. And then we're going to be right on to the title fights. So this is a this is a good situation for both. And if Yuani and Jacek wins... She's fighting for the belt. So this is a big story. This is a great story. And it's a good spot for Zhang Weili as well. She's already got a win. They've seen each other's best. What can they do differently? I'm very intrigued by this. And I'm curious to see what Joanna looks like after two plus years away. I actually think the time away, I know there's a lot of questions in these types of cases about ring rust and things like that. I actually think for Joanna, I think this time off came at the right time. Sure, she took a lot of punishment in that fight from Zhang Weili, but I think maybe from a mental from a mental standpoint, just kicking away after a long title reign, the two fights with Rose, right into this war with Zhang Weili, I think time off was was the best thing for her. So I'm curious. I'm really curious to see what she looks like when she comes back. Like, what's her style going to look like? Are these two going to get in there and just brawl it out again? I have a feeling they will. I don't know. It's not going to be as epic as the first fight, but what can be? If we're being honest, it'll still be a great fight. I was talking to Anik about the card. You'll see that John Anik interview on YouTube later on today. But, yeah, we talked a lot about this fight. And I'm with him. Happy it's three rounds. I think it's going to be tremendous. It's got more a Chandler Gaethje feel to it than Jan Jacek Whaley 2, if that makes any sense. Because I just... 
you got to go in there and try to tamper your expectations because I think the fight's going to be fantastic. But if you're expecting a fight that's better than the first, I mean, if it happens, holy crap. But let's just go in with this fight's going to be great. Let's tamper our expectations slightly. I still think it's going to be awesome. Let's get Deny in here. Am I up? What's hey, up? what's going on, Mike? You are. How you Not doing? too bad, man. Doing pretty good. Waiting for game three, you know. Let's go. That's, dude, that's why I like you, man. I first called in, uh, what was it, like, right before the Aljo-Sterling fight, like, that week, man. I know you're from Mass, so, or New England, so that's pretty cool. Red Sox are rolling. Celtics are rolling. Connecticut's about to be rolling. Um, <laughs> to CRJ, yeah, I feel you. I am pretty much uh, the only MMA fan that I know, but I'm also a diehard Red Sox fan, so try watching 162 baseball <laughs> games, so... <laughs> And I'm also an NBA fan in an area that, you know, is kind of primarily a hockey town, if you know what I mean. And, um, yeah, no, so just try to just stay positive. Stay off Twitter as much as you can. But uh, try to find Twitter and use it for, like, the right things, like joining spaces or whatever. But, yeah, Mike, what I was trying to get at is um, why is this in Singapore? You know, if you get a main event with a guy from Europe and a guy from Brazil, who's defending his title for the first time. You know, it's kind of like uh, how, like, Rose had to defend her title for the first time in Brazil. It's kind of strange. <clears throat> I know uh, Weili Zhang's on the card, but I was looking through the, um, like, who's on it a few minutes ago because I haven't really been up to date these past few weeks. But you know, not many not many Asians, a lot of Europeans. But I don't know. I just don't see why you want to Singapore now. Thank you, sir. Um, well, I think... I think the road to the UFC thing kind of played a factor in this as well. You wanted to cap off that week with, with something big. And I mean, who doesn't want to like, I know most fighters that I've spoken to at least earlier on in their careers, their goal obviously is to become world champions and do the best they can and make as much money as possible. But a lot of these guys and gals, they just want to travel the world and go to cool places. And I feel like, Singapore is one of those cool places for a lot of these fighters because of the, the rich history of, of martial arts in the area. Singapore Indoor Stadium, it's not MSG, obviously, but there is a lot of history in that building. So for a lot of these fighters, it's a very cool experience for them to travel to Singapore and compete like this. And this is a very big deal. It's first pay-per-view in Singapore. To be a part of the first anything in any place is very, very cool. So, I mean, and listen, a lot of times these things don't make any sense. We got Yair Rodriguez fighting Brian Ortega in Long, on Long Island. I mean, great fight, but you couldn't do this in Texas or Phoenix or California. Or, I mean, you can't go to really, can't really do a UFC event in Mexico right now, but that would be freaking cool too. But Long Island just seems like such a kind of weird place to have a main event like that. Um, but again, some of that stuff doesn't really matter when you're on a car like this, but you get the road to UFC, so you're going to get a lot of local talent trying to earn their way up and try to get themselves a UFC contract. Let's get a sirloin take. So I guess like what I meant was um, obviously Singapore is crazy. You definitely want to go there and – a lot of people want to fight there, but if you have the option to fight there now, like as in the UFC, to host an event there, 
why wouldn't you headline it with uh, somebody from like from the Big East? You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, y- Yuri has Yuri has a lot of history uh, in in Asia, fighting for Ryzen, being a champion for Ryzen. So, I mean, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of a lot of love on Saturday or Sunday, as it will be there. Let's get Saw's bets. What's up, Mike? Uh, heck of a morning. Uh, first off, Indeed. I want to say thank you for the hours and hours of uh, entertainment you've given me while I work, being able to get through the day. I appreciate it. Um, second off, I was kind of thinking about Andre Fialo this weekend. Um, it seems like he's kind of one of these up-and-comers who the UFC might be trying to push a little bit, um, like along with the Aaron Blanchfields, the Muhammad Makayevs. Um, I was just wondering if there's anyone else who – you think is kind of like on their start in the UFC who might be a future like champ or uh, that the UFC might try and like push a little bit. I'm going to hang up and let you talk. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the kind words. I mean, there's a few that I could think of. Um, I think Raphael Fazeev, especially if he beats RDA, I think he's got a great personality. I can see them pushing him. Armand Sarukian. I mean, I'm super high on that guy. Anybody who's listened to anything I've done in the last five years. You already know I was going there. He's also a super interesting guy. So I like that idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Casey O'Neill is going to get a big push when she comes back. I think she's she was already kind of getting one. There's uh, Alexander Romanoff is another guy. I think he's a super interesting guy. I'm trying to look at the betting lines for this Fialho fight. Fialho's a minus 140 favorite. I think there's some serious live money on Jake Math, some live interest in Jake Matthews at plus 120. I think Jake's the better fighter here. I think Andre's the more powerful fighter. And I think Andre is probably the more exciting guy, but Jake's the better fighter in my opinion. So I think if you're looking for maybe a sneaky dog play, it's, I mean, plus 120 is not a sneaky dog play, but I think, I think Jake, if you, especially if you can get this fight to the ground, I think he's got a very good chance to win this fight. So I know we're all excited about Fialo. We're all excited about watching the guy fight every month. It's super cool. We like that. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of value on Jake here. I really do. Let's get... I want to get somebody who's been waiting a little while. Julio! What's up? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. Good, good. So... Does Jerry Prohoshka not seem like the liver king of MMA? <laughs> Just seems like a primal, yelling in the woods type of type of uh, individual. Is an interesting character. Um, I agree with you. Even though I think he he seems to be the favorite, seems to um, possibly smash Glover. I think Glover is gonna impose his experience and and tap him out and you know give him that give him that humble pie. But um, my actual question is, so I'm from California. Pay-per-view starts at 7 p.m. It's great. This weekend, I'm going to be in Virginia. Pay-per-view starts at 10 p.m. The fight, the main event probably won't start until, like, what, midnight? Like, how the hell do you all do it? I, I, <laughs> I'm I, not looking forward to it at all. I mean, you just got to deal with it. I'll be up. We'll be up work. AK's with, with me here. We're going to be up working until, like, 6 a.m., and then we're going to sleep for an hour, and then we're going to wake up, and we're going to do on to the next one the next morning. I mean, that's just what we do. That's how it is, and we love it. But, yeah, last week was awesome. 1 p.m. Eastern prelims, 4 p.m. Eastern main card, excellent. 
the way it should be. You want to mix it up like that October pay-per-view? It wasn't even really previews on ESPN Plus, UFC 276. I think that started at like 10 a.m. Eastern. Let's go. Let's go. Mix in those once in a while. They go When they go back to Abu Dhabi in October, I truly hope they do the same thing. I love it. No problem mixing in that every once in a while. Terrence, you're on deck. We're bringing in the, uh, the GM of the Yanks, Brian Cashman. What's up, man? Unmute. Oh, sorry, I was muted. My bad. Heck of a morning for okay. you. Um, Indeed. All right, quick thing. So how much of a disadvantage are these female contenders coming up when they're they're getting their first five-round fights in a title fight against, per se, Valentina Shevchenko? I mean, mix in maybe a couple more lower-name five-round main events for females. And then uh, another thing, I got a parlay going for this Saturday. I got Glover Teixeira, I got Joanna Young Jacek, Andre Fialo, Brendan Allen, Manel Kip, Manel Kopp. How do you think about that? Wow. So here's the first thing I'll say. A little plug, a little plug. Uh, as you guys have probably seen, if you're MMA Hour fans, GC in Paris for the French Open. So I will be joining Jen Shu for No Bets Barred. I have no idea what we're going to do because I'm not going to actually place any bets on this card. Uh, so he said, we're just going to go and do some silly stuff and get a little crazy. And that's what we'll do. Uh, one thing I will tell you is that parlaying with underdogs is a horrible idea. Maybe it'll pay off for you. Maybe you'll rub it in my face, but rule of thumb, it's like when you're playing blackjack and you get two eights or two aces, you split them every time you double down on 10 and 11. You don't, Parlay underdogs, especially multiple underdogs. But I wish you very, I wish you luck. Um, Glover's a good pick. I don't, don't I, I'm telling you, I think Jake Matthews has some value, but that's, listen, that's a, that's a parlay piece. Brandon Allen's a good parlay piece. Manel Cap, good parlay piece. Bontarine's really good, man. I think he, he's getting slept on a little bit, but I think Manel, if Manel fights like Manel, He'll win, but if he fights like he did his first couple of UFC fights where he's trying to just outpoint guys, he's not going to win. But if he goes out there and just slings those hands, man is a problem. And I think there's a very good chance he can fight the belts very soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Terrence. Maybe. 
The wheel is spinning. Hey, can you hear me? We got him. All yes. right, perfect, perfect. I'm um, ditching a meeting at work. <laughs> ah, yes. So um, I was more or less trying to like follow up on a question that I asked, and you like answered part of it, but you like skipped over the other part. <laughs> <laughs> I do that. <laughs> so, and I think it's because it sounded aggressive, but I wasn't really trying to be aggressive. Like the question was about like rushing other people to the front of the line and then like slow playing the other ones. And you answer that part. But the other part that I was um, asking about was the other end of the coin. It's when you have, like, let's use um, Carolina, for example. You have somebody like Carolina, and then you're like, oh, the hill fight makes sense. However, if you want to put her over, you'll put Loopy in. Um, what makes you pick people where you're like, oh, this person needs to get a win? Um, for example, trying to say, like, Connor or Tony or somebody like that um, versus like, oh, no, that's the next bit thing. Like, when you want to see like the person who's coming up to somebody who possibly could give them trouble, more or less because of the fact that let's say, for example, they beat somebody who's ranked, but it's like a favorable matchup. Once they're in those rankings and they wind up losing after the fact because they fight somebody who's not favorable anymore, then be like Edmund Shabazi, and I'm pretty sure I'm the last name wrong. Um, and then they're just kind of stuck there, and then like that messes up their trajectory. Because once you're in the rankings, you can't really pick your matches per se. Um, so that's one question. The other one will be um, Do you think it would be a cool idea if refs and judges were um, known beforehand? Let's say, for example, you have like a rep that is known for like pulling fighters apart pretty quick, like when you're in grappling exchanges and things like that. Um, some that, quote-unquote, stop stuff early if they don't see something. Um, and then as far as, like, judges, like, if you know, like, you have a particular judge that scores the round for people who have ground control or they score more for damage, even though I know all these things are supposed to be universal, they aren't always. So wouldn't it be beneficial for the fighters to know, like, two weeks in advance or even when they're being assigned their fights. And then the last question, I know it's a lot, sorry. The last question, um, what other fights besides, let's say, Aljo and then as well as Esparza, uh, where Dana refused to like put them in the title fight until like the fans kept asking about it and then he wound up putting them in there. And then they win, but they win in like a controversial fashion. So that's all I got for you, Mike. Thank you very much. Thank you, Terrence. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first part, I mean, I guess it depends like comparing, I'm not saying you're doing this, but comparing the Carolina Kovalkiewicz's of the world to Connor and Tony Ferguson or loopy or whatever. It's, it's those and oranges. Connor, you just, Connor draws interest in a lot of money. Tony Ferguson draws interest in a lot of money. Carolina Kovalkiewicz, not so much. Loopy Godinez, not so much, but loopy is somebody you can build. Like, listen, Carolina, great win, great moments, happy trails for Terry, awesome stuff. But Carolina's not fighting for the title again. She's just not. She's so far back. She lost like six in a row heading into the Felice Herrig fight. And Felice Herrig hadn't won. Like Carolina had a win, a previous win before Felice Herrig did. Like Felice has fought a lot. She's had some success. But Felice went into that fight basically knowing she was done. 
And it was a great win for Carolina and a great moment. I love seeing it happen. But this is, I mean, I'm pretty sure that this is pretty much it. Like, these are the kind of fights that she needs to have. Like, Angela Hill's, I would favor Angela Hill to beat Carolina Kovacavich. I would. I don't care. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. I just feel like Angela Hill has been there with just recently much better competition and has performed much better than Carolina has. Like, I know Angela, Angela's been on the wrong side of some tough splits. She's been in main events with really good fighters. Carolina has lost to pretty much everybody, and she beat a Felice Herrig who had one foot out the door. So now we see, like, is she back? Like, could she get to a title? There's only one way to find out. You put her in there with Angela or you put her in there with someone who will probably be a heavy favorite over her that you're looking to use her name to build off of. Lupi Godinez would be a great example. I like Lupi. Lupi looked phenomenal in her last fight and she deserves an opportunity to, to fight somebody with a name, in my opinion. I think she's one of the more interesting prospects in this division. She might be the most interesting prospect in the division. There are people talking on the fight card. I, I believe it was on the broadcast about if Loopy fought, if Loopy fought Rose or fought Carla, like right then after watching her beat Ariane Carnalozzi, I'm not ready to anoint her that, but hell, let's go. Let's give her a test to see what she can do. Let's get Toke Girding Jensen here. Toke, what's up? Morning, afternoon as it is now for me. Um, yes. So what I'm wondering here with the Bonserin Cape fight, I'm I'm seeing Bonserin on this uh, slide down uh, with uh, losing three of his last four and seeing Cop actually finding his feet in the UFC. This seems like the perfect matchup in one way, but still something that actually brings Bonserine in danger, uh, as I see it. Because uh, if he loses here, he has lost to almost everyone at the top of the division, right? Or not not everyone, not, that's not, not what I'm saying. But he's falling a lot, like losing to Kai Carl France, Brian Roval, and Ray Borg uh, as well. So with a loss here, how, fa- how far back does he go? Because this seems like... I'm not saying he gets cut, but it seems like he is going to go way down in the rankings as opposed to how he is now. It's a good question. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think he gets cut. I mean, just look at the guys he's losing to. He's losing to Kai Car France. And that fight was insane. He had Kai big trouble in that fight, and Kai came back and won. I think a lot of people forget about how wild that, that round was. And then the Brandon Roy Val fight. I want to look this up real quick because that was a super close fight. I'm curious what MBA decisions scored it as. Um, not that this is the end all be all. I scored it for Roy Val. Okay, most scored it for Roy Val. There are some people who scored it for Bonserine. And there are people on Twitter that I remember scoring it for Bonserine, but I thought Roy Val won the fight. Close fight, splitty. So, I mean, it's not like he's getting the doors blown off of him out there. Although Manel is the kind of guy who can blow your doors off if you get him going. So we will see. I like the matchup. I, I mean, Bontrine's title hopes, at least for the foreseeable future, 
are probably on the line. But let's be honest, if he goes out and beats Manel Cap, how how close is he to a title shot? He's probably still really far away, considering what this division looks like. So I don't think a loss completely crushes him. And a win doesn't do a win's like a nice feather in the cap, but considering where this division is right now, we have a champion that is, is now saying that, which by the way, Davis and Figueredo's reaction to this interim title fight is probably the dumbest reaction I've ever heard of anybody. This is just so silly. The UFC is giving, is doing an interim title fight basically to make your next title fight way more interesting. Because at the time we had a two horse race. We had, do we do the Brandon Moreno fight again? Do we just go right back to that well? Or do we do this new contender in Kai Car France? And the plan was, let's just do the Moreno fight. Because I was in on the Moreno fight. If you want to do the Moreno fight 500 times in a row, I will watch it every single time. It's a great fight. So now he's hurt. He's out till maybe the end of the year. And I told you on the show, like, I think in Jacksonville, that the UFC was talking about doing an interim title fight between these two guys. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing an interim title fight in this situation? The division continues to move forward. It's a glorified number one contender fight. Props for Moreno for even taking this fight because he shouldn't. He didn't even have to. And he took it anyways because he wants to fight in July. This is a great fight. And the winner of this is going to fight Figueredo in a fight that's way more interesting with way more stakes and it's way more compelling. Which means he makes more money. I don't understand the problem. I don't understand his issue with this, with this whole thing. But that's why Bontarine is very far away from a title shot, win or lose on Saturday. While Manel Cap's a little bit of a different story, came with a lot of hype, he lost his first two fights, came back, vicious knockouts in his next couple. He goes out there and just starches Bontarine, especially in Singapore, because again, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of fans in that area, fighting for Ryzen, having a presence in that part of the world. It'd be a very big deal. He will look like a star if he goes out there and starches Bontarian, which is a very good chance he can. So, yeah, I don't think there's a ton at stake for him. Lots of stake for Manel Cap, though. We'll take a couple more. Semi-casual MMA, you're up. Hey, Mike, I was just wondering if you've heard anything else about the PFL situation with Carlos Leal. I know that that was a pretty big <laughs> story last week, but then I didn't hear anything else about it. Oh, my God. Thank you for bringing this up. Jeez Louise. I mean, literally some of the dumbest promotional stuff I've ever heard in my life. Um, I'm trying to think there's another one. Corey Hendricks is another one. Okay, Corey Hendricks. I'm just trying to pull this up real quick because I want to make sure I'm on the money. So if you missed between the links, we talked about this. Carlos Leal, who fights for the Professional Fighters League, who stepped in to fight their welterweight champion, Roy Cooper, stepped in as an alternate, essentially, to fill in for somebody else, fights their champion, who missed weight. Ray Cooper missed weight by, like, an, an obscene amount. Like, six pounds. And Leal went out there and just beat his ass. Whooped on the champion, who missed weight. He goes out there and beats him. So you're thinking to yourself, Carlos Leal could find himself in the playoffs. It turns out he's not even on the roster right now. Carlos Leal, who beats the champion 
and beat him convincingly after the champion missed weight by a ton is an alternate. He's not even in the season. So he's going to go to Atlanta for this card, and if somebody falls out, they will let Carlos Leal back in. What is that nonsense? Are you kidding me? This is, I mean, this is just horrible. PFL is shooting themselves in the foot. You know what's crazy about the PFL? There was actually a legitimate case a month ago, a legitimate debate on whether or not PFL had jumped over Bellator as the number two organization, especially in the, amongst like the mindsets of the North American fans. It's UFC for a long time. So UFC, Bellator, I mean, maybe you can throw one or KSW in there, depending on who you are. But PFL was in the discussion, but at best, PFL was three. Then you get to a point where Bellator's had a really bad year. I mean, a really bad year. Anything that could go wrong has. Their main events have been horrendous. Just bad stuff all around. PFL gets a little bit of momentum, and then they come out with this pay-per-view idea, which is just horrible. Then they come out with this silliness with Carlos Leal. Corey Hendricks, as well, who steps in, fights Emiliano Sordi in the first round of the PFL season, who lost to uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. last year. Corey Hendricks gets a second-round TKO, a super impressive performance. He's not even in the season. Like, it's just silly. It's so confusing trying to keep up with this. The PFL, you have to spend, I mean, you have to literally set aside hundreds and hundreds of hours to not only watch the PFL product, but to try to like keep up with the PFL product. It's just way too much work. It's way too much work. It's already enough work trying to be a UFC fan and watch cards every week and try to get it in touch with everything. It's not easy to do. Throw in Bellator, yeah, what's cool. Gegard's fighting, yes, I want to watch it. Yoel Ramirez fighting, cool. And now you put the PFL in there, it's just so much work to, to watch the PFL. And just when this door opens, Bellator literally, the Bellator brass, they literally are holding open the double doors. PFL, walk right in. We're handing it to you. A silver platter, the silver medal, we're handing it to you. And they won't take it. It's like they took it and they threw it on the floor and they threw it in a dumpster. What are you doing? God. So horrible. I don't know why they do this. I don't know why they do this. Let's get Andre in here. We'll take a couple more. Uh, I do want to like let you know something. Maybe we could help out in a couple of moments, but let's see if we can get Andre in here. Andre, are you there? Andre. Okay. All right, try again, Andre. Let's get Tajik Bay in here. And we'll get Jay up. Oh, we got a Z in here too. Okay. All right, Tajik, what's up? Hey, not much, uh, Heck. Uh, you know, great joining and <laughs> another great space from you. Um, just wanted to quickly comment on the Davidson Figueredo situation. I think we have to look. Uh, we should not look at his statement just in 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 the vac vacuum because uh, 
it's clearly when you when you read him and when you hear him, you can see Henry Cejudo's influence because, and I think it's it's gonna put Davidson into this, this turbulent times uh, and the kind of a, uh, and not maybe the best relationship with the UFC because this contract stuff, more money stuff. I'm not gonna fight uh, unless I'm uh, in this division unless I'm I'm paid more. It's kind of a lot of what I think we, uh, uh, what uh, Henry Cejudo is whispering him. Uh, so I think we should uh, consider that a little bit more as far as how much influ- influence Cejudo has on Davidson right now outside of just, uh, you know, his fight style, his training and whatnot. And I think this, this is what, uh, what we do not talk about, about enough. And I think it's, it's not the best uh, way to go when uh, Henry becomes the part of your uh, management uh, or, or a financial decision type of conversation because obviously we see that his retirement didn't end well. And nobody, frankly, just like Brandon Moreno said, nobody cares about, uh, you know, what Figueredo says. Nobody cared about what Cejudo is saying, whether he wants to return or not. So unless, uh, you know, Figueredo wants to be this irrelevant as Cejudo is, he would he would have to kind of uh, get back into the orbit and repair uh, his relationship with uh, UFC, in my opinion. Nice. That's a great call right there. And... Absolutely, a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, you know, you know who we're gonna take advice from? We're gonna take advice from the guy with the most botched retirement in MMA history. That's a good idea. That's so smart. We'll take a we'll take a page from the book of the guy who got a finish over Dominic Cruz in a huge event for not only the UFC but for sports because it was the only thing cooking in the middle of the pandemic. And he retires, and then three hours later, Dana White's like, "Okay, we'll just have Piotr Jan fight for the title." Next. It's the same reaction with all of this. Like, did you read these quotes? Like, our own gear, it all came from us. Our own gear made Cruz talk to Davis and Figueredo. It's literally, I've said literally a lot today. It's, I mean, this is, what do you think the UFC is doing right now? You think they're like, oh my God, we need to talk to Davison right now? They're like, okay, go to 35. We'll pay you. We'll pay you the same money. So you're telling me I to be at 125 and be the champion, which you're getting more perks on as the champion. The option is pay me more money on top of the championship money, or I'll go to 135 and make the same money. Yeah, they will drive you to 135. They'll send you a private jet to fly to 135. Are you kidding me? Of course. Go ahead. Go to 135. What do you think is going to happen at 135? You think they're just going to give you a title shot? This is just a horrible take by Dave. This is, if, if he's expecting this to work, it's not going to. Davis and Figueredo is going to fight the winner of this fight for the same amount of money in a co main event spot, probably in December. That's just going to happen. He might even make less money. <laughs> give him less money. It's like Jerry Seinfeld and George Costanza pitching their show to NBC. NBC gives them an offer. They say no. George goes back and begs them, and he makes like $5,000 less. That's what's going to happen in this situation. It's hilarious. And Tajik Bay is absolutely right. This is probably Cejudo saying, you know what's a great idea? Do this. He's like, and figure eight is like, you're a genius, Henry. You're a genius. Everything you've touched turned to gold. God. Silliness. Clears values, then Aziz, then my announcement, then we're getting out of here. Clears values, what's up? First of all, Mike, thank you for moving it to a very manageable time. 
10 a.m. <laughs> I can do that. 8 a.m. I love you, Mike. Can't do that. I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. So my question for you, kind of a little bit off topic, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what you say. Um, all the outside organizations, KSW, Bellator, PFL, all those guys, what are some of the fights that you're most excited for? What's the fight you're most excited for in total? Curious to hear your answer. Oh, dude, this is, this is easy. This is easy. Because the correct answer is the guy that has really made a move, not, not just in Bellator, but in the sport. The correct answer is Danny Sabatello versus Leandro Ego. Coming up June 24th at the next Bellator card. I think it's Bellator 278. That's the fight I cannot wait to see. Danny Sabatello. I've been telling you guys about Danny Sabatello for a while now. When I was doing What the Heck, I had him on. And people were like, who the hell is this guy? And I told you then, keep an eye on this guy. Before I made fighting, I told you, keep an eye on this guy. And here he is. People are starting to understand who he is. And... His whole mentality about the whole boring thing. Like, that performance against Jornal Lugo opened up everybody's eyes. They all, everyone thought Danny Sabatello was a super boring lay-and-pray guy, and there was some truth to that, and he loved it. He loved when you called him that. Love. He's like, you got a problem? Get up. And if you can't get up, then I win. He's, I, I mean, this guy, I'm telling you, this guy could be a star. He could be a big star for this company, and I think they got something with him. They locked him up, very smart. So good move on their part, but yeah, that's the answer. And I, you've seen, you you may have seen the clip, and I'm fine with it. I stand by it. Before, about a week before Sabatello Lugo, I said Sabatello was not only going to beat Jordan Lugo, which a lot of people gave me crap for, and he went out there and just ran him over. But I said Sabatello's going to win the entire Grand Prix, and I feel I still feel very good about that pick. All right, Aziz. Let's go. How you doing? Good morning, Mister Mike. Hi, I I actually was a like they say, long time listener, first time speaker. But I'm not. I used to talk, but my other account got jinxed from Twitter, so we got the we got the backup here. Um, nice. I yeah, I like the 10 a.m. setup. I had. I've waited a while, so that's a commitment. But I had a really curious question because I know you do. You did some like uh, fighting weeks coverage and whatnot. Who was the would you say most intimidating fighter to like get close to in an in interview and just like see the energy from, or who would like give you a star star strike, as they say, and. I know you've been talking a lot. I just have another thing that I want to ask. So I'm going to my first UFC event in July for the July uh, International Fight Week for the Adesanya card. And, bro, the like how expensive it is to be a UFC fan, it's ridiculous, Mike. Like, yeah. have you... Do you have you noticed the increase in the last three years or what has happened to the UFC brand? Because it's like now it's just crazy. Tickets are like 500. And that's like even if you try to get the ticket like two months ago or something. But cheers, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, 
So two things. One, uh, I'll announce this right now. Uh, I will be in Las Vegas. Never been to Las Vegas in my life. I've been covering this sport for a long time. I've never been to, to Vegas. Never stepped foot in Vegas. Didn't even have a layover in Vegas. But I will be there for International Fight Week. I'm going out there the Tuesday before. And I will be there. I just found out yesterday that I will be going. So it'll be myself. It'll be Jose Young's. Uh, there's going to be a radio row out there, like kind of like the Super Bowl, where you have like your own area to do stuff. Uh, we have a spot, and we're going to do lots of stuff. I can't frigging wait to see what we could do out there. So I will be there with Jose. I'm super pumped. As far as the other question, have you felt like the aura, the energy? Uh, interviewing fighter i think like vitor belfort was kind of an interesting one before the evander holyfield fight because i mean he took this fight so seriously but we weren't sure like what it was and the vitor interview is weird because i asked him before he fought evander it was like right after the tyron woodley jake paul fight and he said he got like kind of mad at me for asking him the question and he was like, do not compare me to those guys. Don't compare me to those guys. He was not happy. And then what does he do after he knocks out Evander Holyfield? 59-year-old Evander Holyfield. Who does he call out? He calls out Jake Paul. So I couldn't believe that. And that's like the dot. Like, if I could interview one person, it would be him. Because I have to call him out on that. I didn't get the chance to interview him. It was between him and Anderson Silva that night after the card was over. They're like, you have to pick one. And I chose Anderson. Because Anderson's Anderson, he's the freaking man. Um, but like the rest of them, I, like I don't get into like Dan, UFC 220. I covered in Boston before MMA fighting. Uh, Jose was working for the same site I was working for at the time. We were both at Fan Sided, uh, the glory days of Fan Sided, and Daniel Cormier was getting ready to fight Volkan Ozdemir, and never see him, and. I got the chance to like get in kind of like a scrum type style and got to ask him a couple questions. He gave me some really insightful answers. So that was a pretty cool moment for me being able to, to talk to him. And even, even interviewing Holyfield, like as scary as that interview was, and it gave me so much pause, it was still kind of cool to like, just be in a room and conversing with a Vander friggin' Holyfield. Like this is nuts. Craziness. So, but I am pumped. Uh, I will be out there for International Fight Week. We'll get Jay in here. Last call. Uh, then I'm going to read something very important, uh, and hopefully you guys can help out with this. What's up, Jay? Hey, Mike. What's up? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, my fault. Also, if you kept seeing a bunch of requests, for some reason, every time I would go to like the ESPN app or Instagram and try to listen to it, it would cancel my request for some reason. So sorry about that if you kept seeing It's okay, man. You're good. But um, I just want to talk about two things real quick. Well, first off, I'm with you, Team Glover, all the way. Uh, I think he's going to get round one. But I'm going to take it a step further, and I think he could probably get a TKO if he does the same game plan like he did with Jan, take him down and, like, flatten his back. I think he can definitely ground and pound here again. He might not be able to get out of that lock that he's in with Glover on top of him. And so the the first thing I wanted to bring up was uh, – with Gilbert Burns' interview with Damon Martin, I really think he brought up a great point about Kamzat and talking about his IQ and how it compares with Usman. Because Usman was able to put away Gilbert. And he actually fought really smart with how he was. And he wasn't like Kamzat brawling and 
trying to like scrap it up with him, which is one of the main points that his coach was telling him at that end, like stop brawling with Gilbert Burns. And so when Gilbert Burns brought up that point in the interview, saying how Kamaru was levels above him with that, I think that actually is like a really good point. And for all the Kamza fans, I think he is probably going to beat Usman. And I was one of them. I really thought he was going to probably run through Usman. But after listening to that, yeah, I was thinking, actually, Kamaru probably could definitely beat Kamza in a pretty dominant way, as long as he plays smart. Because his wrestling is I'm pretty sure is probably the same or maybe better than Kamza's. So uh, that was my first thing. And the second thing I want to bring up is Dominic Reyes is actually not retiring. And I'm happy for him. And I'm glad to see him come back. And so who do you think would be, like, the good matchup for him to when he steps back into the octagon? I was thinking maybe either the winner of Craig versus Krylov or maybe the loser versus Uncle Ivan Smith. I think maybe those two matchups might be good for him when he decides to step back in. And so thanks, Mike, for having me on. Have a heck of a morning, man. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you in a lot of ways on, on the Glover stuff. Uh, the TKO is interesting. I think it's like a plus eight hundred, a plus eight hundred line on that. So if you're going that route, go with it. Plus Glover by submission on DraftKings right now is plus three fifty. So just betting on betting on Glover. I don't know. Betting on Glover straight as a dog is cool and all, but if Glover's going to win, he's going to win by submission more than likely. So I mean, good lord, plus three fifty. It's pretty awesome. For Dominic Reyes, I would say maybe the winner of Jamal Hill, Tiago Santos. I think that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd go that route. Good Dominic coming back. I'm glad he took a lot of time off after that crazy fight with Yuri. But yeah, I like that idea. Dominic versus... I mean, it just really can't really can't, can't go wrong here. You could do Ryan Span. That's not a bad idea. You could do like OSD. You could do something weird like that. We could we could get all weird with it if we want to. All right, so I got to get out of here before I get in trouble. But before I do that, uh, as we were doing this, and this is not really MMA related, but we are we have built ourselves a nice little community here, and I want to just kind of read this because. So I grew up in the Boston area uh, when I was 14, right before high school, I moved to a town called Burlington, which is probably 15 miles outside of Boston and very close to the community. We had, I, I was with a, a lot of cool people and uh, I've DJed weddings for like my little brother's friends and all this stuff. And like, people just kind of know everybody there. It's one of those types of areas. So uh, on Sunday, uh, my little brother's friend, Corey, his fiance and his older sister were walking across the street. Um, it's not really like the busiest street in the world, but it's got a little bit of traffic. So they're walking across the street on a Sunday night and a car just ran them both over, like literally brand ran them both over. Uh, they flipped upside down over the car. Uh, the woman who hit them, uh, was devastated by it. It was just, I mean, it was like the legit definition of an accident. There was no drunk driving or anything like that involved, but, uh, both of them are in ICU right now. Both of them are in big trouble. Uh, 
the fiance has a traumatic brain injury. She's got a broken wrist, broken lumbar. Uh, she's intubated right now. And the older sister has a broken pelvis, broken ribs, uh, the same lumbar fracture. She got a, 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 a really nasty concussion, but no brain damage. Uh, so, I mean, both of them are in very interesting spots right now. Both need a lot to happen to kind of change their luck. So they have a goal on GoFundMe of $45,000 so far, about 14, a little over $13,000 has been raised. So I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to challenge the MMA community, this MMA fighting community, if you will, uh, to help these ladies out. Let's help this family out a little bit. Um, because if there's one thing, I know there's a lot of talk. CRJ was in here talking about sometimes this is a very negative space. Oftentimes when there's things like this that happen, and it gets brought out to the MMA community. The MMA community comes through like nobody else. So my little brother asked me very, very nicely if I could share this information with all of you, uh, with Twitter followers, etc. So that's what I'm going to do. So in a matter of moments, I'm going to post this GoFundMe link to my Twitter. You guys can read it and check it out. It's all legit. My little brother hit me up this morning. Uh, he's devastated by all this. He's, he's very close with both of them and it's just a rough situation. So anything we could do five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, let's make it happen. Uh, I will shout you on the show. I'll give you like first priority for calls. If you do donate, we'll, we'll make things happen. But, uh, so look for that on my Twitter at Mike underscore Jr. Let's help these folks out. Great people. And yeah, let's make it happen. So we're done. Uh, a lot going on this week. Jed and I doing No Bets Barred a little bit later on, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Thursday show for the Podcast Network, Adrian Yanez will join us. I'm going to talk to him in a little while. He's getting ready to fight Tony Kelly, UFC Austin, next Saturday, June 18th. Should be a great fight. So looking forward to that. And, of course, we'll have BTL. We'll have all the other stuff going. I will be back here Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern new start time for a brand new edition of the morning. I think it's going to get closer and closer and closer to UFC 275 in Singapore. So thank you all very much. I appreciate it. Again, look on Twitter for that link and anything we can do to help these folks out. Uh, it would mean the world to not only me, but my little brother, who's the man and that, the, the families, everything going on. It's, it's freaking crazy. And it's unfortunate. And, no one should have to go through this stuff because it's, it's just horrible. But thank you all, everybody, very much. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.